0: All right, I have a very special guest joining us this week. I have the president of the IBO, the one and only Ed Levine. How's it going today, Ed?
1: Everything is fine. It's a nice Miami day and I'm making a lot of people jealous, but everything is good here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're starting with me making me jealous. I'm in a, I'm in the Boston area, so it's not, not quite as nice. <laughs> but, uh, Ed, let's start things off with um, one of the recent defenses of the IBO belt. Uh, it was over in Cardiff, Wales. We saw Anthony Joshua defend his title against Cullis de Calm. You were in attendance for it. Can you uh, tell me what you saw? Uh,
1: yes. I. I um, we all knew going in that the last-minute change, uh, the opponent to Takam, was uh, going to be a difficult situation because, uh, clearly, he's a very, very durable fighter and with a very different style and style. Uh, he showed why, he's, why he has that reputation. The style of crouching and very hidden target and uh, with a durable chin made it a very difficult fight for uh, A.J. But clearly, A.J. is a superior fighter and won, won just about every round on all the cards. So it was a good, a good show. The fans enjoyed it. Uh, the opponent could have been uh, more exciting, but it was still a good fight for A.J.
0: Now, you've obviously seen A.J. um, since the Klitschko fight, and, you know, obviously you've probably seen him since before that. In terms of fighters that you've seen develop the heavyweight division, I mean, uh, where do you rank him, you know, in terms of the special athletes we've seen come up at heavyweight?
1: Well, um, I think that A.J., you know, still has a lot to prove. But what I've seen so far is he has all the ingredients to be right up there with the absolute best heavyweights that I've ever seen. Uh, he has the skills, he has the speed, he has the power. He knows what he's doing in the ring, uh, but he's still a young fighter, and he still has um, he still has to prove that he's one of the great ones. Uh, and I think he will do that. Uh, certainly exciting, certainly fan pleasing. Uh, has all the tools. I can only see one direction, and that's up for him.
0: Well, in terms of the uh, heavyweight IBO belts. It has a very good history in terms of having dominant champions hold it. Lennox Lewis held it, and Vladimir Klitschka held it for over 10 years. Do you think Anthony Joshua could potentially be one of those types of fighters that could hold it for a long time?
1: Absolutely. I think that uh, Anthony could be another another heavyweight champion for the IBO that could be, he's only 28 or 29. Uh, He could be a heavyweight champion for another decade. Uh, He has shown some ability to. To be, to be hurt, but all heavyweights get hurt. Uh, Lennox is the prime, prime example. Uh, Lennox is a Hall of Fame heavyweight champion. Uh, he had a couple of fights where he got caught, went down, lost the fight, and came back and beat those fighters handily. I, I see the similar kind of uh, situation with Anthony Joshua. There may be a fight over the next years where he, as he said himself, he could lose his title but I see him coming back and winning the title if that happens. And that's a big if, because right now he's young, talented, and I see him as being number one, clearly number one, in the heavyweight division.
0: All right, well, Ed, let's turn things to yourself and the IBO. Maybe you could tell the fans a little bit about how you got started with the the IBO belt.
1: Jenna, you know, there's a lot of criticism about sanctioning bodies, and I try to take those criticisms of some of the other sanctioning bodies and turn that into a business plan that might be welcomed and a change of pace in boxing. And that specifically, one is um, the ratings. There's so much uh, debate over the top 10 in, in every uh, weight division, and I felt that boxing needed a vehicle where uh, we took the human element out of the top 10 rankings and just went ahead and used a computer program, which, as everybody knows, we're now uh, contracted with BoxRec, and all our ratings are BoxRec-powered. I felt that there was some kind of barometer needed in boxing, and particularly with a sanctioning body, as to uh, the real rankings of fighters. Not anything politically uh, oriented, not something... That was based upon relationships. Uh, so that that was one of the key changes that we decided to do. And then we also decided that we wouldn't impose mandatories unless there was a need for a mandatory. I, I think that boxing uh, needs mandatories occasionally, but we felt that it was more important to let great champions fight commercially viable opponents that were determined by what the fans wanted to see, what the promoters wanted to put together, rather than what the sanctioning body mandated. So we do have, while we do have the right to impose mandatories and have imposed them, we only do so where champions are avoiding top competition. So those are two major changes that we felt we would bring to the table. And of course, transparency. Uh, proud to say that the IBO and since 2000, when I took over as president, we have not been involved in any litigation, and that that goes a long way in saying that there's not much to litigate with us if we follow our rules for everybody equally, and if we take proper courses in in, in boxing. So um, that's the the essence of what the IBO stands for.
0: Mm. Now, when it comes to the IBO, obviously you have, you know, the detractors out there that don't quite give it the credit that it, it deserves. They don't have it up there with the, the top four belts. And when you look at the organizations that are out there, at one point the WBO was the same way. It was, uh, came to formation the same year as the IBO, and it took probably till around 2000 until people started considering it one of the top four belts. Do you think the IBO will get that same recognition that the WBO got in terms of being considered one of the top
1: I do feel that that is. I feel that we're almost there, Jenna, with the with the quality of champions we now have, and um, with the. there's a coincidence here that I find really intriguing. I was involved with Chris Eubank Senior. From 1988 through 1993, while I was employed by the WBO, and established myself as a boxing knowledgeable person and i took a beautiful journey with chris eubank senior and that was part of the growth of the wbo at the time now working with chris eubank jr who's now the ibo super middleweight champion it's almost a deja vu moment with uh, having the son following the same path at a similar age and -hmm. getting the kind of recognition that the son deserves that the father also deserved and and at that time, everybody was saying that, uh, oh, it's not a real title. It's it's just the fourth title. But we've gone through the same growing pains, uh, even though we've had uh, Fitchko and Lewis and Golovkin and Lara and all the other named champions that have fought for our title. But I think that uh, now adding even Chris Eubank to that uh, formula, that it's pretty hard for Te- telecasters and for uh, the fans to say we, we're not on the same level, because I believe we, we, we are there. And just to add a, an aside, the most important thing for the IBO is um, we're not looking to be ex- number five. We're looking to be a, an, in, an independent sanctioning body that's recognized the most, the most prominent, but with a different business model. And uh, an independent sanctioning body. And I think we're almost there.
0: All right, well, when it comes to the IBO belt, I'm sure one thing that you love as president is when a particular fighter shows extreme pride in defending that belt. And we recently saw a case of that with Gennady Golaskin. Canal Alvarez, you know, did not want to, you know, fight for certain belts for that big super fight. But Gennady was all about defending all of his belts. Can you tell me as the, the president of the IBO how you felt when you when you had a champion stick up for the belt like that?
1: It is, it is so w- rewarding for a young organization. It is so rewarding to me to see that regardless of the fact that certain broadcaster might not recognize the IBO, regardless of the, cert- the fact that a, a certain boxing writer might not recognize the IBO, the most important thing to me is the champion to recognize the, and, and be so proud of his IBO belt and we've been very, very lucky uh to have champions that way that are marquee champions that want the IBO belt and are proud to have it. I mean Golovkin is one, um, uh clearly uh Urslandy Lara is one. Uh Anthony Joshua has shown an affinity for the IBO belt and that is so rewarding. Uh going back to Ricky Hatton, Ricky Hatton defended our belt for quite a few times. He was very proud to be the IBO champion. That makes us so proud on the other side. It just is so rewarding.
0: I will Ed. Speaking of Gennady Golovkin, I'm curious, what were your thoughts on the super fight he just had with Canelo Lavres? Who did you think won that fight?
1: Well, my view on that fight was that Styles make fights. Some people believe that uh, Gennady is. Is not quite at the pinnacle any longer. I am not one of them. Um, I think that the styles uh, of Gennady and Canelo created that kind of fight, and I think that uh, clearly Canelo was very wary of Triple G's punching power, and that's what the way why he fought that fight the way he fought it. I I still saw Gennady cutting off the ring. I saw Gennady take a couple of. Phenomenal punches from Canelo. Clearly, Gennady's chin is the same chin that he's had in his whole career. He just—it's like any other fighter gets hit by that, he's going to be in trouble. Gennady was not in trouble. I think with the, with uh, a fighter who's aggressive and tries to bring it to Gennady, they'll get knocked out, and his knockouts will continue. Uh, with a fighter who's cautious and, and stays away and. Fights and spurts, they can survive. But I thought Gennady clearly won that fight. I don't see his future as being limited by a next fight or two. I think his future is as far as he wants it to take it. He still has all the talent.
0: Mm. In terms of the rematch, though, who do you favor uh, based on what you saw in the first fight?
1: Clearly, Gennady. I think uh, you know there's a there's a, a large number of people out there who think that he's aging and has. Lost some of the skills. I'm not one of them. Um, I don't think that uh, I don't think that Canelo improves substantially off that fight. I think the only way Canelo can beat him next time is to bring it to him more and to be more aggressive. And I think if he does that, he plays into uh, Triple G's hands and and finds himself in trouble. Uh, I don't think that the, diff- the next fight will be any different. Other than it'll be a Cerraginotti victory. That's the way I see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I just got a few more questions before I let you off the line, and I want to talk about the future of the IBL and some of the upcoming title defenses. Can you let the fans know about some of the upcoming title uh, fights of the IBL?
1: Well, we have certain four or five fighters get all the, all the news and all the attention, but we, we have fights every weekend uh, with other world champions, and some of them are getting attention in their own jurisdiction but not worldwide yet. When I walked into my office this morning, the first thing that I was faced with was all kinds of emails regarding Kevin Lorena, who's our cruiserweight champion. The cruiserweight division is a very active division outside the United States, particularly, and there are some great fighters in that weight category. Kevin Lorena is just getting emails, I have half a dozen on my desk, of fights that fighters and managers and matchmakers who want to put their cruiserweights in with Kevin Lorena. Now, he is defending his cruiserweight title in February in South Africa. Um, He's a very, very talented young cruiserweight, and uh, he doesn't get the attention. Uh, he, He had a very tough fight when he beat Yuri Kalenga, the French fighter. Kalenga had been in with the best, and Kevin Lorena handled him. He's young. He's learning. He's more. He's like an Anthony Joshua. He's. He doesn't have a lot of fights yet, um, but he's a future, major major world champion, and uh, that's part of the story of the IBO. We want other young champions who are, clearly, world championship caliber, holding our world titles, and we have those coming up. Uh, we have another another young, fighter, undefeated at super featherweight. A Russian fighter, Rakimov, who's undefeated. Some of these young fighters have tremendous, tremendous amateur backgrounds. And although they may only have a dozen or so fights, as professionals they could have 100 or 200 fights as amateurs. And they come into the professional ranks with tremendous experience. And they they are a force of the future. Uh, Eastern Europe and European fighters are proving that they they belong in the world stage. So that's our goals for the future, bring on the young champions that are clearly, clearly have a, a road to the top and to concentrate on our marquee champions like Joshua, Lorena, like Triple G and they belong there now and they they're loyal to us and just support them, make sure they have a level playing field when they fight and just keep going on the straight and narrow.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Ed, I'd be hard-pressed to let you up the phone without asking you about this, because we just had two consecutive weeks, two heavyweight fights. Joshua fought, and obviously Deontay Wilder just fought, one by first-round knockout. If those two fight each other, in your opinion, and, and as unbiasedly as you can, what do you think would actually happen if those two meet?
1: That is a real... That's the best question you ask me today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my opinion, Jenna, is that you really... I mean, I was very impressed with Wilder. Anybody who was not impressed missed the fight. Um, but I don't know what to take from that fight in terms of what that really meant uh, because the opponent didn't do anything. The opponent was really just the punching bag. Um, he did not land one f- punch in the fight. Uh, so clearly Wilder was impressive beautiful combination, beautiful hand speed. Uh, But the question still is there. How does he do uh, against Anthony Joshua, who is 30 pounds heavier and would not be a punching bag, would be fighting? So it's a great fight. It's a fight the fans want to see. It's a fight I want to see. It's a fight Anthony Joshua wants. Whether they put it together now, I don't know. Uh, That's the business side. But ultimately, that's the biggest fight out there for the heavyweights, because those are the two young guns that are undefeated, super punches, super knockout ratios. I don't know. My answer is I don't know. My unbiased opinion. I think if I had if I had to pick one on an unbiased, I would still say Joshua because of the weight difference. 254 versus 220 is a big difference at heavyweight.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and in closing, for all the fans listening out there, is there any message you want to pass along to them?
1: Yeah, to the fans, I would say keep an open mind uh, before you just play an old broken record about, oh, the IBO, they're they are not one of the major sanctioning bodies. Do a little homework and look, look us up a little bit. Go online, uh, check our website, and see what we're all about. And check some of our champions and see if you can find any disputes, major problems that the IBOs had in the last 18, 19 years. And maybe, maybe competition is good for sanctioning bodies as well. Maybe it's good to have another sanctioning body and they're competing with the existing ones. Uh, that's all good for the sport. Competition is good for the sport. Uh, and enjoy the fights. They're great It's a great year in boxing. Boxing is not dead. It's alive and well, and enjoy it because this is, this, is, this is the best of the best years in boxing right now.
0: Oh, Ed, it's been a great pleasure having you come on the show. For all the fans listening out there, make sure you go to www.iboboxing.com. Check out all their champions. Check out the rankings. As Ed says, I don't think you'll find much dispute. And Ed, I've got to thank you so much for your time today, and I wish you all the best luck going forward the uh, rest of the year of the IBO.
1: Thank you very much, Jenna. It was great talking to you.
0: Great talking to you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.